Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that Foreign Key Podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about plain document fallops uh, that certainly could cost Foreign Key plan sponsors a whole host of uh, headaches um, because of the significance of plain documents uh, as it pertains to um, you know being a plan sponsor. But of course, first things first, uh, we will be rescheduling... Um, the that former key conference in Phoenix. I think we're going to reschedule it for uh, Tuesday, May the tenth. Um, hopefully, book Reggie Sanders as the guest, two thousand one Diamondbacks World Series champion. And then, of course, uh, Friday, June twenty fourth, we will be in Miami. Uh, we got an event in October for Charlotte. September, we're going to line up something. We'll see. Uh, I got a couple ideas for the cities. We'll see what happens. Obviously, uh, the lockout, thankfully, is finally over, and we could get to uh, baseball and get to having these events. And, of course, go to that foreignkeysite.com for further information on all our events. Um, and when it comes to plain documents, obviously, um, this year will be my 24th, September 8th will be my 24th, year, 24th anniversary of being an ERISA attorney. And um, w- 10 years working for TPAs, uh, the running joke that I had was that if you wanted to hide something from somebody when I worked as a TPA, when I worked at a TPA, uh, you should hide it in a plain document file. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a line based on a Chris Rock joke uh, from Bring the Pain. But uh, when you're a plan sponsor, there, you know, there, are certain, there are a lot of things that you don't know about you know, the plain document, and um, there's so many issues that could certainly come up and, and be a headache. Obviously, the first thing is uh, a lot of plan sponsors don't realize the plan document has to be written and updated every few years. We are going through the Cycle 3 Restatement, which uh, I, I enjoy the, the title, Cycle 3 Restatement, because this is the first time that I've been part of a restatement process where the changes have been kind of negligible in terms of names that uh, the only idea they could come up with was cycle three, which is the third cycle uh, in the process where the IRS uh, require that six-year cycle for individually designed uh, for for, uh, users of prototypes and uh, volume submitter plans. So uh, they just couldn't come up with a better name so they just called it Cycle 3. Um, it's po- quite possibly with the CARES Act and, and Secure Act that Cycle 4 will have the Secure Act name. We'll see. I mean, not like that information is really important. But, uh, you know, every six years, plain documents have to be restated. And every so often, the IRS may require an ancillary amendment, um, such as, you know, the Hardship Amendment, such as the Secure Act Amendment and whatnot. Um, you know, uh, the IRS may require certain amendments of the plan to reflect the change of law or regulations, the, you know, then they all want plan documents to incorporate. Um, so those are the ancillary amendments. Uh, obviously, when I worked as an ERISA attorney for, you know, um, in TPA, you have a lot more clients in terms of the plain document stuff. Um, you know, uh, the volume was just that much greater. Um, 
you're doing 750, uh, and it was a pain. When I was working at one CPA in particular, it was a pain in the rear end because for some reason or another, uh, the guy in charge, the guy ruining the place, uh, there was not one central file that had all our clients and their contact info, uh, which became a problem when you're sending out restatement letters because, you know, we have 750 clients, but not everybody was a client of mine as the ERISA attorney. Uh, there's one famous ERISA attorney in particular who brought a lot of plans to us. Needless to say, um, I inadvertently sent out letters where we would do the restatement, probably at 2500 bucks or something like that. And if you know anything about attorneys that charge by the hour, they charge a lot more than $2,500. So, you know, we send out a letter to, you know, for a client for restate the $2,500. It's an, another attorney's client. Uh, they charge a lot more. That becomes a headache. And let's just say I got a lot of heat for that. But, um, you know, this always reminds me of the old Bernie Core joke. Bernie Core was my civil procedure and bankruptcy professor at American University of Washington College of Law. Uh, my favorite law professor, even if he gave me a C plus in Civ Pro, um, did a lot better bankruptcy. Uh, but um, the problem of Bernie Core always joked that uh, the reason they changed the bankruptcy code every few years is to give bankruptcy attorneys work. Uh, and uh, you know, the, always the joke is is that um, you know they give. Uh, Required restatement every six years, so us risk attorneys can eat. But you know, you know, while it's a great way to feed us, uh, feed TPAs and feed risk attorneys, they are required by the IRS. So when I used to work for that TPA, you send out clients letters, and they tell you, oh, it's just a it's a Microsoft Word mail merge document or something like that, which I, you know, you always get kind of uh, offended. Even though those ancillary amendments were a mail merge document, but that's a whole nother story. The restatements are clearly not. And of course, if the IRS, you know, if you fail to amend and restate by the required due date, you have a qualification issue. Plan could be disqualified. Believe me, um, uh, I did a lot. I still do a lot of VCP work in terms of um, uh, late plan documents and whatnot. Um, so a plan sponsor that fails to restate by the required due date. Uh, is going to have to file through the VCP program to get that fixed. Uh, typically, they do a reduction uh, based on the uh, missed time. So, like, for example, if you missed the due date uh, by a year or two, um, you may get a reduced rate on the VCP program. So it's really important for plan sponsors to be uh, up on that. Uh, next, um, the plan document is controlling, except when there's an SPD SPD problem, and uh, that's one of my favorite uh, topics. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the plan document is kind of like the Magna Carta. Well, actually, I wouldn't say the Magna Carta. It's kind of like the Constitution. Uh, it's it's the it's the law. Uh, maybe not as uh, direct as the Ten Commandments. But plan operation has to conform to what the plan document says. Otherwise, there could be a, a compliance problem, um, uh, you know, because you have to follow what the plan document says. And one of the biggest problems is when the plan document and the SPD are inconsistent. Uh, SPD is a summary of the plan. It should correspond to what the plan document says. Um, 
Under ERISA, participants must receive an SPD when they are eligible to participate in the plan and any time the SPD is redone. Uh, there are no ERISA requirements for the plan sponsors to uh, plan participants to see the plan document. So if the SPD has better provisions, um, some courts may suggest that the SPD controls. And there have been situations where the SPD uh, did control, and that's why it's uh, uh, important for the plan sponsor to make sure that they conform to each other. You don't want to give out uh, a whole bunch of lies in the SPD, uh, especially like eligibility or contributions that you know may get a plan sponsor in trouble because they promise something SPD that they can't deliver per the plan document. And obviously, if the plan participant wants to sue, uh, that could be such a such a headache. Um, next, um, any change in the plan might need an amendment. There are many times where um, you know there are certain things that are wrong in the plan document. A uh, whole bit of time as part of the cycle three restatement, the volume submitted document that I use, uh, they use a separate plan trust. The plan and trust are not one document anymore as requirements set forth by the IRS. How many times I would go through a plan document and I would see a dead trustee uh, or there are three trustees, one's dead, one's gone uh, to another company. Uh, that's always a problem. Uh, you know, I've seen provisions of the plan documents aren't consistent with the plan's operation. Uh, you know, address in the SPD might be wrong. Um, but, you know, the problem is, is that plan sponsors are a little too lazy when it comes to cha making changes in the plan document. Uh, a plan document is like the Constitution in a ways. It's a living and breathing and controlling document. So, therefore, there should be changes, just like the Constitution can be amended. You know, we, we love that right to vote at 18. We like the idea that women can vote. Uh, we like the idea that slavery uh, is abolished and that people have equal rights on the laws. We, lo we love our amendments, uh, Bill of Rights, and all that kind of stuff. I think it's important for plan sponsors to um, make sure that any change that they have, uh, you know, or they want is made to the plan document. And, uh, you know, they're not only... There has to be an amendment. There also has to be a summary of material modification, which is basically an addendum to the SPD. Because again, if you make a change to a plan document, you got to make a change, a corresponding change to the SPD. Um, you got to make sure it's done. I, I think plan sponsors really need to make sure that it's done, and and quite often it's not. You know, they think that uh, oh yeah, you know, we have this eligibility that says one thing, but it says another. Uh, in terms of um, the biggest plan document error I see, um, you know, we, we, you know, you see a whole host of problems, and I think the the definition compensation is probably at the top of my list. In terms of plan errors, we know that late deferrals is probably the, the most consistent error, but the plan document error that I see the most is definition compensation. Definition compensation is obviously a really important um, definition to get right because participants' ability to defer, as well as any employer contributions, are contingent and are dependent on the defined term of compensation. And the problem, you know, usually arises when the plan sponsor has an exclusion for compensation in their mind in practice, but the plan document says something completely different, like excluding bonuses. And if you exclude bonuses in your mind, but the plan document includes it, then you might have missed deferral opportunities, you might have employer contributions that you have to make up. So... It's a problem. 
you know, overtime, bonuses, car allowances, if we're dealing with car dealerships. There are a lot of exclusions that, uh, you know, if you exclude it in your mind, it's got to be also in the plain document as well. Otherwise, you have a have a problem. Um, it, it, it's a headache, um, and you know, uh, it's an avoidable error. But I think the the problem that we have that error so often is there's a lack of communication between plan providers and the plan sponsor. I'm not going to cite I'm not going to cite the TPA's fault because quite a few risk attorneys probably get it wrong as well. Um, and, it, and it's a huge, huge headache, um, and I see it so often, uh, it's not funny. Uh, uh, late def uh, missed deferral opportunity, late employer contributions, it, it's certainly a, a big problem. Other plant provision errors that I see, um, you know, eligibility, uh, that's a one that certainly gets wrong a lot. Um, plant sponsor thinks it's one way, it's quite the other, and again... Um, people are earlier uh, eligible to participate in the plan uh, per the plan document, and practice is other. There may be missed deferral opportunities. There may be missed employer contributions, and it, it's uh, it, it's certainly wrong. Um, you know, vesting can be wrong as well. Um, plan sponsor swears this was was a change, and there wasn't. Um, same on accrual. Um, you know, when it comes to profit sharing contributions, I love a thousand hours and their last day. I don't know why, but I've been trained uh, forever to do that. And you know, if you get it wrong, if you don't have a thousand hours, um, and you need to give the participants the contribution that they had accrued for the profit sharing, you know, the, the plan sponsor, you obviously have a uh, employer contribution to make up. Uh, and and that's that's just the giant headache as well. And it's important, um, you know. I, I last but not least, I I, I think that the uh, well before last but not least, but I think it's important that um, the plan sponsors identify, you know, what they think the plan provisions are and what they are, and make sure that they're on the same page. Last but not least, I think it's important that the plan document gets reviewed. You know, when it comes to health, uh, you get a checkup. I'm, I'm due for one, uh, you know, the, the whole thing with medical insurance, you know, it's it's got to be at least a year between um, checkups. And, you know, if you don't get it a year down <laughs> to the exact date, it gets pushed off and off. So last year, I think my checkup was in February. This year, it's in April. Uh, big fan of the checkups. Um, and when it comes to health, you know, my opinion is, uh, get a checkup. Um, I always, uh, look, I, I don't, I won't say I look forward to it. It's always nice to see my doctor, see what's going on. Um, you know, health is important. Uh, teeth are important. You know, I, I was a guy who would go four years without seeing the dentist and having no issues, but you know, not everybody's that lucky. Now I go, you know, twice a year, but I, I think it's important when it comes to health checkups are just a long way to uh, helping uh, detect problems before they uh, become major problems. And, you know, I have crazy people in my family who thought otherwise, you only go to the doctor when you're sick and if you're sick, it's, it's not good. Okay. And I've known people, poor people who've died because, you know, uh, 
they didn't take care of issues before they rose. You know, Rich Lorita, I think, is somebody that I talk about a lot. Uh, I, I saw the man, I want to say I saw the man die in front of me uh, in terms of suffering for like two years, constantly, you know, coughing and constantly, um, you know, having issues with his stomach. And, you know, by the time they found out the colon cancer, it spread to his liver and he was gone in two months. And uh, I think of him often, you know, the guy didn't live till 40. And here um, I'm talking about him uh, this month is 15 years since he passed on. I want to say it's a couple weeks before, uh, towards the end of the month. And, um, you know, I'm going to be 50 now. And, and I, I think it's important, you know, obviously for health and dental aspect of it to always have checkups and whatnot. But, you know, plant sponsors, it's not the same thing. But when it comes to financial health, I think it's important for plan sponsors to treat the 401k plan document like their health. So they need to be proactive, not be reactive. Make sure that the uh, plan documents are consistent with practice. Um, a, a checkup, you know, my opinion of a plan document certainly goes a long way in detecting problems early and avoiding greater harm later. Uh, you fix it, you nip it in the bud, it's less expensive than if you wait and uh, any mistakes can certainly be fixed through a self-correction process. The VCP is great. Uh, we do now have a little bit more segue, a little more leeway, I'm sorry, uh, to do retroactive amendments. Um, and there, you know, these kind of changes and fixes are a lot easier to uh, the head and the wallet by reviewing the plan document and making sure that everything is up to snuff rather than getting caught on an audit where there could be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of, you know, uh, you know, penalties and whatnot. So, you know, I, I, again, I, I will always state, I offer retirement plan tune-up, 750 bucks, plan documents reviewed, make sure that the provisions are consistent with practice. Uh, and again, uh, 12 years offering it, Maybe did eight or nine. I, it's just not something that plan sponsors want. It's cost effective. It can be paid from plan assets. But again, it's consistent that plan sponsors um, are uh, proactive. Are, I'm sorry, are reactive rather than being proactive. Um, and in terms of uh, conclusion, uh, the title episode, the title of the episode comes from, uh, and the article underpinning it uh, comes from. Uh, Fallops, Bleeps, and Blunders, which I don't know if anybody knows, but uh, I, I, I found it fascinating. But, you know, back when I was a kid, Dick Clark and Ed McMahon had a show, uh, TV's Bloopers and Practical Jokes, and it was a big hit. Cheap show to produce on NBC, uh, did really good ratings, and of course, once you have something good on TV, everybody's got to replicate it. So uh, ABC came out with Fallops, Bleeps, and Blunders, which uh, never watched... Uh, because, you know, I, I, I watched the original, but, you know, Fallis, Blues, and Blunders. Later, uh, you realize as a kid, Don Rickles was the co-host. Uh, Don Rickles and Steve Lawrence, who were, you know, lifelong friends. And, you know, as I grew older, I grew fonder of Don Rickles. And I was lucky to see Don uh, perform live before he passed. It was Don with Regis and Joy Philbin open up for him. Uh, it was a great thrill to see him at the, what is, I don't even know what the name of the, NY 
CB Theater Westbury, which is the Westbury Music Fair. Had the opportunity to see them live, and um, it was a lot of fun. So uh, go to that 4 for further information on all the events. Phoenix coming up, Miami, June 24th. That's going to be a really great event. And uh, we'll see how it goes with the other events. And um, that's it. Hope you guys enjoy it. Um, enjoy this episode and come back next week for another episode of that 401k podcast. Bye.